Hi, and welcome to Security Explained. I'm Chris Grayson. I'm Drew Porter. And I'm Logan Lamb. We're coming to you every two weeks with tips and tricks on how to protect yourself and your loved ones out there on the internet and in real life. All right, so let's see. It is Wednesday, September 21st. Um, we have other stuff, content recorded. It's been a minute. If you're listening to this, it's been a minute uh, since you've heard from us. But we recorded a bunch of content at DEF CON and we have just been incredibly busy since and haven't had a chance to get that out. We were anticipating that being like the start of our season. Um, but as the InfoSec gods uh, smiled down upon us, they have given us multiple things that are, are currently going on or going on in current events that we should probably address sooner. Um, and so one of those, one of those that we're going to, we're going to talk about in another episode is, is the whole Twitter hack thing and the, well, not Twitter hack, the, um, the whistleblower report from Mudge, um, which is very interesting, but also very interesting is the fact that Uber has had a really bad week, um, and they have been hacked from head to toe. Uh, and it is like, I, and I I keep being like, how is the app still running when you're that owned? And I don't have a good answer for that other than like, oh, there's compromised systems are still probably chugging along. Um, the hacker wasn't (laughs) going for an outage, but I like the hacker probably has control or at least did have control. I assume still does have access to a significant amount of the network. Um, but yeah, Uber, Uber got hacked. And so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, and I, I like looking at how it was done. I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised at the methodology, but I think this is probably the broadest scale hack that I have witnessed as like actual malicious attack. Like, I, yeah, I've gotten similar access in pen testing engagements, but in terms of the scope of compromise happening in an actual like malicious real world attack. Uh, this is, this is novel in, in my book. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, it's uh it definitely is. I, I, I feel like it's more impactful just because it, it does look like what you would see from a pen test report, but you don't expect to see like a pen test report be an actual breach report. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Like aspects of that test will be part of, you know, a breach. Um, but this is I I mean, this is this is like this is what I would feel like a you would find in fact I, I know uh we have been on similar engagements when we were both employed by the same employer where this almost exact attack chain worked. Um yep. Like there's like a few things that were like different, but it is, it it does play out like you're reading a pen test report instead of a breach notification or breach report. Mm -hmm. And I used Uber like moments before. And then I also (laughs) used it moments after because there was nothing for Lyft when the area I was in. Uh, After like the breach happened, like people were like, oh, Uber got breached. I was like, I just, I just ubered over here (laughs) and then like (laughs) i was leaving the area and like i was like oh i'm gonna use lyft and this is just like no drivers (laughs) like searching for a driver and i waited for like i don't know seven minutes and it was like nothing i was like okay damn it (laughs) (laughs) delete this credit card (laughs) yep yep yeah that's that's uh man it's it's been 
like is any every time that we're doing one of these pen tests right like what, what do you do so first you prioritize getting as much access as you can and then what do you do you're trying to drive home the importance of the recommendations that you're making so you try to demonstrate worst case scenario after worst case scenario after worst case scenario so you take the access that you have and you use it to gain access to other stuff. You get access to the most sensitive data. You have administrative control of the whole network. You do all these things with the intent of being like, look at look at what could possibly happen if a real-world attacker did this. <laughs> it's like, yo, that's exactly what happened here. Um, yeah, so let, let's let's talk a bit about what we know at this point because, like, it you know, there's no there's no authoritative source as to timeline or exactly what happened, but there are a bunch of um, a bunch of kind of uh, a bunch of points that have been corroborated by multiple parties, and largely there's also somebody that is taking credit for the attack mm-hmm. and talking to reporters, and they are giving their side of the story as well. Uh, Drew, where what do you know, or what have you read about? how this happened yeah so this originally from from what we have seen online and and full disclosure um i reached out to someone i know who worked for uber and they're just like no talkie right like (laughs) they literally they literally text me no talkie and i was just like okay no i totally get it like i fully fully understand everything that they're doing and and in fact i think I, i reached out to his like corporate owned device or device that like he does business stuff on. So he doesn't want it to probably be looked at, but um, he, uh, uh, he literally, I'm sure everyone is like, don't talk about anything, even to your friends. Don't talk about this. And I'm sure, you know, in person, they they'll talk a little bit about it, but um, from what I've heard. And so, so I, I said all that just to let everyone know that this is not from Uber directly or nope. anyone. Yeah, in Uber directly. Um, uh, this is both from the attacker, uh, from messages that they you know have posted, and other information people have, we'll say, collaborated or corroborated with um, Uber employees who, who who they're able to talk to in person. So the the first thing is they found um, either they they found credentials. Uh, that were for sale on a darknet site or, or they're able to attain credentials through some type of social engineering, right? There, there's two stories about that. I think the one more accepted right now is they did like some social engineering page where they were able to have the employee type in their credentials. Now, once they had credentials, that, that doesn't get them far because everyone has and enabled multi-factor authentication, MSFA. And in this particular uh, case, they're using push notifications. So what a push notification does is in multi-factor authentication, you have an option to where you can like type in a six-digit pin or however long the pin is, tap a hardware token, uh, and then type in a pin. Or... Uh, or you can get SMS notifications, right? Sent SMS text messages pushed to your phone, which is not recommended for a, a wide range of reasons. But uh, one that makes it easy, the the convenience of SMS messaging plus, uh, you know, not having to type things in is what companies call push. And push notifications, literally you have an app on your phone 
and it says, hey, uh, you know, you're trying to authenticate to this service. Um, slide this, you know, button up or slide this uh, slider to the side and it will authenticate you. And you might think, how does someone fall for like, you're obviously not <laughs> logging in and it needs to authenticate. Well, th there are two things that come into play here. One, if your system is not set up correctly, um, you might have something running or, or you might be working on something and then it like all of a sudden it gets disconnected and it reconnects and you don't know what it is. And it's just like, hey, uh, you know, you need to reconnect to the VPN. And it's just like, uh, yeah, sure, whatever. Right. And you just slide up. You're like, well, clearly it's my computer trying to reconnect because it got disconnected. And you might be like, well, I don't want it to mess anything up. So I'm just going to slide up. The other thing is um, with that is you can annoy people with it. So you can make like tons of pushes. I don't even think there's a limit. I, I, there I is. There's a default limit on Duo. Oh, uh, is there? Yeah, there's apparently a default limit on Duo. But we'll, we'll get back to that because it, it the fact that this limit was not hit <laughs> indicates that maybe things are misconfigured. Yeah, that's uh, um, but but going to that the um, uh, being being able to spam the individual who you are targeting, they will just want to pacify that notification because it is annoying and it like it, it will, some of them will just, Oh, we have a push notification. So we're going to bring that to the front of the screen. So you're texting along and then all of a sudden it's like push notification. And you're like, no, 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 get away. Or a little, you know, a little window pops down or a little bubble pops down. And it's just like push notification, push notification. And your phone's going off and you're like, literally just shut up, please. So you go and you do the push notification and I think that is one of the more successful ways um, that uh, even pen testers have done to social engineer or, or to get around um, multi-factor authentication. I know I've done it on a few engagements. I know you've done it, Chris. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great success. Yeah. It, it, the annoying thing does work well. And yep. with that... Uh, the next thing, so after they got the the push notification approved, they're they're able to access the internal um, network, and they started scanning, and they found a share, and in this share, there is a PowerShell script, and, and this again, this is the part where it reads like a typical pen test report, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. We we found a PowerShell script. We opened up the PowerShell script and, you know, in an editor and or, or we looked at it and we found credentials. And these credentials yep. were some type of admin credentials, right? Yep. And then from there, uh, as the saying goes, root is only the beginning. And uh, once they had those credentials, they're able to then start going to other areas, access other sensitive items and obtain credentials to what I'm going to loosely say pretty much everything. I think, I think you can say that a bit less loosely than that. Like it is from my understanding, all of it. Like, let me, let me, let me color in some of the, some of the, actually, no, that was there anything else you wanted to say on, on that part? No, no, I, that's just the premise of how they got in and then where we're at right now. Right. And then, and then what they have, like we can start talking about. Oh, the pictures, 
the pictures are so good. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I mean, and I'm sorry to anybody that is having to deal with this on the Uber side, the fact that we're getting any enjoyment out of it because yep. I'm sure that this and, is not a fun thing to be dealing with. Yeah, if you're an Uber employee and you catch us uh, like out and about, we will buy you, a, you beer a beer and, <laughs> and we can laugh about this together six months from now. Yep, 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 uh, yep. <laughs> we won't be crying, but I imagine you might still be crying if, if you are laughing at the same time. Uh, yeah. The way that humor <laughs> helps with pain. Um, okay. So like there's, again, there's a bunch of information that has been posted in different places. Uh, but the, the party that did this supposedly told the New York times that his initial foothold, and we do believe, uh, this individual to be male, uh, his initial foothold was gained via social engineering and Uber employee, uh, via text message saying that they were coming from IT. Wow. Who would ever think of doing something like that? Like legitimately, yeah. that is the, of all the social engineering campaigns that have been successful for me, it is I'm going to impersonate IT. I'm going to say I need you to do this technical thing and I'm going to target somebody that is non-technical. Like that, yep. is, the, that is the way that is going to be like most likely going to be successful. So via text message, they apparently get initial credentials to the corporate network, like the corporate VPN. So sounds like there is an internal corporate network for Uber. And once you're on it, you can kind of look around it. Now, he had those credentials, but those credentials don't give access alone. Like Drew was saying, there's multi-factor authentication. Um, and it looks like they were configured to use push-based multi-factor authentication. I'm guessing this means Duo um, or a Duo equivalent, but Duo is pretty pretty standard. And the way that it works is when I log in, I type my username and password. Then it says, hey, you need your second factor of authentication. How would you like, uh, like to do this? And you'd be like, oh, yes, yeah, send, my, send my device a push. You press that button. Your phone receives a notification. You tap on the not notification. You are now authenticated. Um, and now you have gotten onto the network. And so, yeah, this, has, I have, this is one of the ways that I have gotten on it, onto an internal corporate network is like... You would think that folks just won't press that notification when they get it, like especially considering, hey, if you are getting that push notification, it means somebody has authenticated as you. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's your device disconnecting. Maybe it's something weird going on. But that is a huge, huge, huge red flag. If you start getting two-factor authentication prompts, whether it's you're getting a text message from like Facebook that says, here's your code to log in or, or Instagram, or it's, it's duo or it's Okta, any one of these different things. If you are getting a push or a message from a second factor of authentication, that typically means that your first factor of authentication has been compromised. Um, and so this, this attacker just continued to send push notifications to the party that they had they had compromised or that they had compromised the account for and also it 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 would make sense that if they social engineered an account from an employee that is non-technical and they framed they said that they were IT that they could probably keep that social engineering ruse going and be like okay cool I'm resetting your password make sure that you um make sure that you accept this push notification as soon as you get it whatever mm -hmm. uh, but they got access to the internal corporate network now, what I would do, and, and this is another another kind of funny aside, when when pen testing was my full-time job, my specialization was network penetration testing. So specifically this, from the open internet, get onto the internal corporate network. Once on the internal corporate network, what can you do? 
Um, and then this, this individual followed my methodology or what I would do like to a T. So you get your initial foothold and then what do you do? You start looking around. And Drew mentioned that a share was found. And, and for, for the uninitiated, uh, that's in reference to like a network file share. And if you think about like, if you've ever had a Windows device where when you log in, like let's say that like you have a workstation and maybe there's like another office that you can go to. And then you also have your laptop, but there's all these different computers and you log into them with the same credentials. And on each of those computers, you get the same home directory. Uh, well, that home directory is like following you around, right? That home directory exists on a network file share. And when you log in, the computer is configured to be like, oh, yes, go to that network file share and grab the home directory. So that the contents of that home directory actually exists on another server somewhere, and they're just mounted upon authenticating. So a network file share is just going to be a server that hosts a bunch of files. And reliably, these things are one of the best targets when you're on an internal corporate network. If you, if you do internal corporate network security, one of the best honeypots that you can have is a juicy looking internal network file share. Like that is that is going to be one of the first things that they are going to hit. Put canaries on it, put monitoring on it, because that is going to be a top target for um, for attackers because they have so much stuff on them. It's like, I don't have to go to all these individual computers to get all these files because all the files are centralized right there. And what's what's more is in a Windows environment, all those different computers that are accessing that file share, well, what do they have to do? They have to authenticate to that file share. And how do they authenticate? Well, it depends on the, the version of the Windows operating system, but especially with older versions, that the way that they authenticate, they basically take, take an auth token, give it to the network file server, a network file share server, and then it holds onto it in memory. So an attacker that can compromise that server that has the network file share on it and run a tool like Mimikatz, you are going to get the most auth tokens of any other server in the entire environment. So these things are just, they are the thing that you go after uh, reliably. And so as is pretty standard, this network file share had sensitive content on it. And there is a PowerShell script that had a credential for their PAM system or privileged access management. And this was an administrative account for their PAM system. And PAM is basically just a pluggable authentication system that can, is kind of like, you know, you have cloud services, you have laptops, you have servers, you have all sorts of things that you want to federate identity across, right? And how do you do that? Well, you have one place that identity is managed that is then uh, that all these other services consume from. And so this, this attacker got administrative access to the server that controls access for everything else. And I looked at the, I looked at the website for the service that got compromised. So, so it looks like basically there's this company, they ha have this software product and it was this software product that was running in Uber's environment. The name of the company is Thycotic. It's like you're saying psychotic with a lisp. It, may, it feels weird whenever I say it. <laughs> and what I love is one of the top marketing taglines 
the only enterprise-grade PAM solution available both in the cloud and on-premise. And this is... (laughs) Thanks for taking care of both those for us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I I think back to all the network pen testing that I did, and whenever I compromised an internal network, I would get administrative control of everything in that internal network, but I can't think of a time where compromising like getting domain admin, for instance, in that domain, gave me administrative control of all of their cloud services as well. But it appears that that is what has happened here is even the cloud services that Uber was running were federated behind this Thycotic server. So if you were able to create counts or control access in Thycotic, you could potentially either give yourself access uh, via a new account or like maybe add new permissions to your account or do something where now it's not only the corporate network that you're on, but it's also all of the cloud services. Do you know off the top of your head what the default is for Duo before it will stop allowing someone to spam a push notification? So it's hearsay because uh, I have not ever configured Duo myself for mm-hmm. this. But when I was what I was reading on Twitter is that by default, Duo, if you receive ten push notifications and don't respond uh, in the affirmative to any of them, your account is locked out. So it should be that I can only I can only send ten push notifications to you until your account is locked out. But that said, I mean ten, I would get pretty annoyed within ten. I would get annoyed <laughs> within three. Like, I get annoyed at one. <laughs> <laughs> and some people might say, like, how can someone like do that push notification um, and fall for that? Right. Um, I can tell you two weeks ago, um, some of my, uh, you know, uh, consultants, they were on a test where they had a VPN into a network and it would be like every three hours they would get a push notification so that their VPN network uh, connection could still stay on. Um, and like it happens, that's just how that particular network is configured and they had scans going, right? So they would need to like, okay, yep. They would check that. Uh, they would at least check on their systems that like, oh yeah, the, the network is asking for me to continue my session. They didn't just blindly accept, but if you, if this is part of your everyday life Ugh. and this is what happens where you're you get conditioned to just be like oh yeah push notification yep, yep. okay yep. let's go up it's yep. kind of like the back in you know uh <laughs> i guess even today but but it's harder today where websites would say like oh this cert isn't like you know authenticated yeah uh, yep, yep. danger just, danger <laughs> yep, that's right yeah and then it's just like oh yeah yeah could, you know go, go to fine. site anyway yep and it conditioned users yeah. And and that push notification can condition users. So we're not we're not like saying, oh, my gosh, this employee, like, how did they fall for it? Right. Like, I can tell you how they fell for it. Like, they yep. probably get a billion push notifications a day yep. and getting 10 more in rapid succession is not something so odd that it's never been heard of. Right. This is not like odd behavior. And And 10 might be like, you know, excessive, but. What I'm saying is getting multiple push notifications in a short amount of time, that is not unheard of. So, yep. uh, and that's that's one of the things that, you know, I've heard from even people in the security industry is like, how did someone fall for this? It was just like, I can come up with many ways how someone would fall for I bet you on the right day, I guarantee it, on the right day, I would fall for it, yep. right? Like, yep. None of us are immune to, the, to this type of item. And... Uh, it, 
it just shows that your attacks don't always have to be some crazy state level attack, right? Most some of the com- time they don't. <laughs> right. Some companies have to worry about that, right? Yeah. And some companies security programs are to that level where they are defending against those type of attacks. But again, a lot of times it, it doesn't have to go down to that. It, it's not like you don't have to use an O-Day against an, uh, you know, uh, your client to show that like, oh yeah, a state actor could get in. It's like, who are we defending against? China or 16 year old or a group you know. of 16 year olds that are really good <laughs> with computers. Right. So it, 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 I think, I think the more and more of these happen and there's going to be more, there's going to be tons more, right? The more and more these type of things happen, it will reshape how certain industries view um, what threat actors are actually a big risk to them and, yep. and move forward with it, which is great. Um, so well, the, I, there's two things that I want to say as, as kind of an addition to what you're saying. Look, that example of having a network that just requires you to like accept a two-factor like prompt on an interval to maintain like connection to the network, whoever designed that, that's a terrible, terrible security control. And it's, it's mm-hmm. an example of how... Um, like it's it's security theater, and if you don't think about the human element of what you're trying to accomplish, when and it, like look here's here's just on the off the cuff, maybe that sounds good. It's like oh, we're gonna require like we're just gonna disconnect people unless they say yes, that's me every mm-hmm. two hours, right? Like okay, cool, that might sound good if you don't think about what you're doing, like the human psychology behind what you're accomplishing and doing that you are training people to just not care about this thing that should be a very sensitive action that they do right like you should not be telling them to do that anytime that they have not initiated the push and honestly we'll we'll get to it in a bit but i think push needs to be off the table for sensitive stuff period um you know i i this this breach has actually changed the way that i feel a bit about how you should be employing multi-factor authentication, which I like. I have changed my changed my mind now on on some of the things that I would preach. Okay, and then the second part, like yeah, to your point of back in the day, it was just commonplace. You visit a website and it's like this site is insecure. You're like, yeah, whatever, get out of my way. Like I'm trying to get, I'm, I'm trying to look at like my Beanie Baby website, whatever. Uh, <laughs> like that is actually in in my most recent role. That is one of the things that I would preach. I had this I had this security training guidance that I would give to all new employees and I'd be like, "Look, give me give me this many minutes of your attention and in exchange I promise you I'm going to give you the most actionable security training that you've ever gotten. Um like what are the things that you do that will actually make a difference?" And two of the things that I talk about there are um OAuth prompt screen. So like sign up with Google, sign up with Facebook, sign up with whatever, as well as browser extensions. Um, and one of the things that I, I say the same thing is like, look, the thing that I need you to do is anytime you're using sign in with Google, don't just blindly click through 
the prompt saying, hey, here's here's what permission, here's what access you're giving away. It might be a lot of access. It might be no access. It might be somewhere in between. That is less important than thinking about, okay, what access are they, are they, am I granting and who am I granting it to? And if you get to the point where you just blindly click through that, that is one of the most likely ways that a a modern like beyond corp enterprise is going to get compromised. It's going to be like a browser extension installation, or it's going to be an overly permissive OAuth grant just because that can give access to stuff that like you install the wrong browser extension and your, your machine is effectively backdoored. Um, yep. <laughs> take it from somebody who heard about a, a web-based implant that is used to piggyback on top of two-factor authentication systems. Um, but okay. So the, Let's touch a bit on what we know that they have access to. And this has okay. been one of the more entertaining parts to me as well. Because uh, again, this this attacker has been very... I, I just, it's, I guess it's for the lulls, I guess. Yeah, no, it's, I, it's they want, they seek attention, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not a, uh, you know, professional uh, <laughs> when it comes to, you know, uh, the desires of of peoples and individuals. Actually, I funny enough, last week I was hanging around a professional, um, and that's what her PhD is in, like human behavior. But this is very attention seeking, in my opinion. In my yep. opinion, right? They yep. want validation and attention. Like, look, I'm good with computers, and look, I can hack into a billion dollar corporation. Yep. And this is this is what they're doing, right? Yep. And this is typical. 16 year old behavior right yep. this is or 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 teenage behavior i don't know how old the person actually is um uh, we do believe or 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 indicators point that they are a teenager uh, yep. of some age right yep. and this is this is just they want recognition so is it is it you know that's why a lot of people a lot of people ask like why would they let uber know that you know, they were hacking them. And it's like, because they seek, they crave attention. Mm-hmm. They either don't have that in their life because of family home life stuff, or they just want people to know, hey, I'm good with computers, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. think, I don't think there's a lot that goes into that, uh, you know, for, for, from a teenage perspective. Um, but yeah, let's, 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 let's talk about <laughs> what they got. Um, yeah. Since since their motivation is probably super shallow, yeah. The and I'm I'm looking for a particular screenshot that I saw um, that I don't have in front of me now. And even googling, of course, Uber claims no sensitive data exposed in latest data breach. But there's more to this. Yeah, it says every data breach or every company that's been breached. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Like, yeah, okay. I don't I don't believe that for a freaking second. Okay, so looking at the list of things that the that the attacker has access to, and this is from screenshots that have been shared with um, whether it's a reporter or whether it's it's somebody else in the community. Um, we see one login for Google Cloud admin. So mm-hmm. admin.google.com. That's pretty not great because that's going to be assuming that Uber is using like G Suite for business um, or like Google Cloud Platform, whatever. This, I guess, no, this particular admin portal should only be admin for G Suite. So this would be control for of everything that's in Google Drive, 
all of like the access to all the email, um, anything that is within Google Workspace. So that's really that's really everything corporate, um, and that's also anything that you sign up with Google for that is access to that as well. And then we see a vSphere client, and the vSphere client is in like on-premise hypervisor. So let's say that you have a rack full of um, servers, and you want to just like basically turn them into have VMs on top of them. Basically, treat all the servers as one kind of like glob of computing resources. vSphere will enable you to do that. So they have administrative control of internal. Um, like internal computing systems, and this is this one is my personal favorite, personal favorite, just because of how how kind of like funny it is, and I'll, I'll, we'll we'll share the pictures or at least post the link to the Twitter post that has the pictures in the in the notes for this um, for this episode. But there is a picture of an internal tool for tracking employee um, expenses, and this particular picture, which the poster did not do a great job of censoring, it, it basically has like. All of these, all of these names and the amount of dollars that that employee has 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 <laughs> spent underneath this category for the calendar year, and one of the employees has a really long and French name, um, and so <laughs> like you can you can find this person online pretty easily just based on what you see in this picture. Four hundred and seventeen thousand dollars in travel and entertainment so far this year. Life goals. I want. I want that. <laughs> like, yo, I want a job where I have a four hundred seventeen thousand dollars in nine months budget for travel and entertainment. That would be fantastic. I'll, I'll take two hundred fifty thousand for nine months. I'm not I, greedy. You, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Same. And then you see the administrative portal for Slack. So yep. this would give uh, this would give the ability to export all messages from all of these Slack groups, the Slack workspaces that are in use by Uber, and you can see in the picture. That basically, there's a bunch of different, um, like, let's see. So I see Panera, Uber, Project Kale, Ride Local, IZA, Tech, Uber Ox, Uber Container Tools, Uber Copter Operations, Uber Global, Uber People and Places. It's like all of these different departments within Uber have their own Slack workspaces. So this administrative access would give the ability to, I assume, export all of the conversations that are happening in all of those Slack workspaces. And then um, perhaps the most insidious one, I mean, granted, I, oh, no, uh, sorry. And there's also another picture of access to the prod, um, yeah, access to the prod AWS account, mm-hmm. um, administrative access to AWS. So it's like administrative access to AWS, administrative access to Slack, administrative access to internal uh, network stacks. Administrative access to Google Cloud, and then there is proof that this individual has access to the login for an EDR tool. And what is what is EDR tool? What does EDR stand for? Something detection response. Oh yeah, that's great. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I forget what, but I forget, basically, I forget what it is. This um, this sort of tooling is typically oh, oh yeah. you need to be interrogating all of the devices in your fleet right now. So you need to say like, yeah. hey, show me all of the devices that have this patch or have this file in the file system or tell me this information about the devices. It basically typically has the ability to run 
commands across every single device that is registered. So I would expect, like if I was if I was blue team at an organization like Uber, I would want the ability to query the entire fleet all at once. And that is running commands across the entire fleet. Like basically you could potentially compromise every single laptop that it has the software registered on it, which should be an automatic part of the provisioning process. So pretty much if you have an Uber corporate device, this should have the ability to run commands on it. Now, it should only be accessible by some some very select individuals. But what is one of the teams that when they need access, they are typically given all the access? The incident response team. Yep. And in this screenshot, you can tell that the account that they have access to, the individuals on the IR team. And, so, and, and the and, E in, in EDR is yep. for endpoint. Endpoint, endpoint. detection. Yep. Endpoint detection go. and response. We got the yep. DNR, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> two out of three. Two thirds of the way there is great. So <laughs> administrative control of AWS, administrative control of Google Workspace, administrative control of potentially the entire fleet of devices, um, all this stuff. And then, yes, and then it's just comical that, oh, yes, of course, Uber's position is like no sensitive data was accessed. Yeah. I'm like, all right. How do you, how do you uh, know that? <laughs> Where is your sensitive data then? Like, I'm very interested in your architecture. They, uh, <laughs> I, the only way that no sensitive data was asked it was accessed is if none of the data they can that they have is considered sensitive. Yep, yep, man, that that's so true. That's such like a legalese. Oh man, yeah, that, that that's a little frustrating when you think about it. I hope yep. that's not the case. I I hope legitimately no sensitive information was accessed. Uh but but I have a feeling that there was sensitive inf- if I had to make a bet, if I had to make a bet and put money on it, I would say there is more sensitive information that was accessed than Uber is letting on right now. I, yes. And also, I mean, granted, I'm sure that they probably had um, a forensic team. They, they probably have a forensic team internally. They probably had like a forensic consultancy on retainer in case mm-hmm. something like this happened. So they have experts looking at it. So it's not... It's not a claim that is being pulled out of thin air, but look, if your if your environment is configured in such a way where somebody can gain administrative control of that many different things from from a single place, right? Like like I just how is it that they have never run a network pen test that found this network share? How is that possible? If you had hired me, I would have showed it to you, guaranteed. Like I would have, mm-hmm. I would have torn apart your internal network, and I would have found that internal file share. How is it that nobody before had seen that that had never been discovered? That like, oh yes, there is an Achilles heel that can give access to everything, and then once that access started being provisioned, how is it that nobody got alerted? And I, I can tell you how it's like the right tools weren't in place, the right alerts weren't in place, the right people weren't looking at it, whatever. But for you to say that both one. You're in an environment where that's possible. And two, you're in an environment where all of a sudden you can make the assertion that like, oh, yeah, they didn't access anything sensitive. You can't have both of those. If you have the level of visibility necessary to make that assertion, you must have the level of visibility necessary to be able to detect something like this happening before they have full access to everything. And 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 they might be going hard on that claim like access, right? Like they may had they may have the ability to access it, but they didn't access any of that information because you know they weren't digging down into it they might just be like legitimately saying oh they're not saying that he didn't have access he just yeah. did not access and that and- that based on what we know about this group um that might be 
true. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, like I don't, I don't think lapsus has been more in the, Oh, and we haven't even talked about like who this group is. So let's, I mean, we, we've got a few minutes left. So why don't we close out with that? But based yeah. on, based on what we've seen before, this group typically just does it for the lulls and for like internet cred and be like, to be cool, we're badasses and, and look, look at what we can do. Um, they have not been in the business of taking a bunch of data and trying to sell it. Like that is, that is not their, that is not their motivation. And the current, the current statement or the current, who Uber is claiming is responsible for this is the Lapsus group. The Lapsus group we have spoken about before in relation to the Okta breach. And for anybody that like they've done a bunch of stuff this year. I was just looking at their Wikipedia page, or at least they've claimed responsibility for a bunch of stuff. One of the, uh, anybody that is in the video game or enjoys video games or pays attention to video game news, Lapsus also claims responsibility for something that happened this past week, um, or about a week ago, where the there was a, a leak of Grand Theft Auto 6 um, mm-hmm. gameplay. So they're also the ones that compromised Rockstar, as well yeah. as NVIDIA, as well as Okta, as well as Microsoft, as well as like, yeah, let me let me pull up this group or this list. Okay, in 2022 alone, Nvidia, Microsoft, Mercado Labs, Samsung Galaxy Source Code, Ubisoft, Okta, um, Globant, T-Mobile, Cisco, Rockstar, <laughs> and they're like and they're teenagers, supposedly, supposedly teenagers. And I don't, I don't doubt it, but supposedly teenagers. Yeah, that's uh, it. Just shows, like you know, that <laughs> we we should we should we should now make a new threat actor. So you have like or you have you know your 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 hacktivists, right? You have your motivated attackers. Um, those are people that have like personal vendettas or or just stuff like that. Organized crime, uh, state actors, sixteen-year-olds. Uh, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) the worst of the worst not they they have the skills of the state actors and the motivation of the hacktivists yeah yeah unlimited time zero money (laughs) (laughs) and no real financial incentive to because that is that is one of the things that i've talked about before is like anytime that you're trying to design reasonable security controls you got to come from a place of economics there's a certain mm-hmm. value to a certain value to something being breached. There's a certain like difficulty that's going to take. If there's a positive margin, then like that's the money that you can invest to compromise it, whatever. But it, these guys are kind of flipping that equation on its head because they doesn't it doesn't look like they're going for money. But it also like this is one of the reasons that I'm skeptical that it's actually this group of 18 year olds or that Lapsus is actually doing all of these things. They have this a similar modus operandi where they do social engineering and then have like some fairly sophisticated technical attacks after that. Um, but they they reliably go after with the with the exception of like one or two companies on that list they reliably go after American companies, mm-hmm. um, which that's that's a pattern. Like why why go after American companies? Um, what's what's the motivation there? Maybe you just don't like America. Um, but I can think of a lot of organizations that don't like America that do have good hacking chops <laughs> that it would be a great cover to be like, yeah, we're a bunch of like kids that are distributed. Don't, we're going to be hard to take down. Don't look at us too hard. Yep. Yeah. And, and to end this out, I think my favorite screenshot uh, was the screenshot of the actual hacker posting in Slack Hey, oh yeah, <laughs> I'm the hacker. Like essentially, what it says is 
like I'm the hacker. Uber's been compromised. And I'm like, thanks for playing. And, and uh, uh, the reports came out that like Uber employees were like, this is fake. Someone's trolling. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I, I could totally see that. I would think that like someone was trolling if I saw that. But oh, man. Like it, it, the, the fact that it was just like, hey, uh, I got all this stuff. Cool. Thanks. Bye. Uh, it's kind of just the, the cherry on top of everything. I I can't imagine being the head of security for an enterprise and being like, hey, our security is pretty good. And then seeing that message drop in Slack from like an employee that is not security related or whatever. <laughs> and just being like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do wonder on the executive side what what a board meeting like that looks like, right? Like when, when a attack, like I've been involved in those type of meetings with other CISOs. Um, but this is like, uh, like this is something that is so publicly, like it's just hugely publicly available. What is, what do those meetings look like? Right. Yeah. I haven't ever been part of that where it's like, there is a PR, a huge PR component where every breach has a PR component, but this one is like, to the nth degree yep and um i'd be very interested to see how how those play out i never want to be in one where like i'm part of the responsible parties uh, i just i just i just want to be the fly on the wall exactly. on that one yep yep <laughs> like i don't i don't need to i don't need to be a decision maker here i just want to watch what's going on yep and now so. I'm, I'm i'm interested to see let's see in the five days it's as if, I mean, the hack happened and they dropped a few percent, and that was it. But I still like they're gonna they're gonna PR the living daylights out of this. It's one of the things that Uber does best. It's one of the places that they have invested most um, is in mm-hmm. like PR and, and managing managing public perception. Just because of like, hey, if you've ever if you've if you've never read the book, super pumped. It's the one <laughs> that the show or the movie was based off of. It's very interesting. Um, worth reading but uh you know pr is something that uber does very very well and so i imagine that they're gonna do a good job like it's it's crazy to me that this happened like a week ago and it's not regularly in the news in the days since um, of course not of course not <laughs> yeah yeah because it's like it freaking should be with the number of people that are like also think about how sensitive some of that data is like oh, i know if if somebody knew if somebody had the ability to show where you had taken ubers for for the whole duration of your account, think about what they would know. Like, oh, think that, about they would know if you're having an affair, probably. Oh man, I was about to say like IC community is like salivating over this data right now. <laughs> 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 They're just like, ah, yes. What 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 politicians don't we know about having affairs right now? Yep. that are yep. having affairs. Yep. Great noted. <laughs> oh man. All right, anything. Any, no, anything I got, else? I got nothing else. This is yeah. just this is just great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's terrible. terrible. It's terrible. But it's fun but to it's talk great. about. <laughs> 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 All right, cool. Well, we'll be recording another episode uh, shortly on um, the Twitter, Twitter. whistleblower. Yep. Yeah, and that's going to be pretty interesting too. There's a lot of hot takes there, uh, and it's kind of I don't really know. I don't know. It's it's it's. It's spicy. It's 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 spicy. That's a good way to describe it. So until then, we'll see you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Security Explained. 
If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for new topics that our audience finds interesting, and you might be able to pick our next show. Feel free to reach out via social media or give us a rating on your listening platform to let us know how we're doing. You can find us on the web at securityexplained.fm or on Twitter at SecExplained. Thanks again, and until next time, stay safe. Thank you.